Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. While we wait for a vaccine distribution plan to address our global pandemic, there's a mental health crisis happening simultaneously. Our numbers for anxiety were alarming even before 2020. And now, yikes. But there are ways parents can promote a skill-based immunization strategy for our family's mental health. Is there really a vaccine for anxiety? We'll answer that question in this week's episode of Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, the show for real talk about worry and other big feelings in parenting. Hi, I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author. I've been a therapist for 30 years. You're here because your family has some anxiety issues or you want to prevent them. I'm your co-host and Lynn's sister-in-law, Robin, and I'm here to ask your questions. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'll help you find your way. Lynn, we have a public health emergency, obviously, with the vaccine rollout for COVID, but you have referenced that we also have a mental health emergency because of the dramatic increase of anxiety diagnoses in our population from kids to grownups. But I've heard you talk about using preventative strategies to create an anxiety vaccine. What does that mean? So I've been talking for a long time about the importance of dealing with anxiety and depression based on their social context, that we need to look at the impact of families and our environment and our culture, because we do have this surging epidemic of mental health issues with our young people. Now that we're talking so much about a vaccine and how that's going to help prevent the spread of this virus, I think it really is important to talk about how do we emotionally vaccinate our kids. How do we step in and teach our kids the skills they need so we can get ahead of this thing? And just to be clear, you've been talking about this long before the pandemic. You've been talking about this since 2016, 2017. Yeah. It's just that now what we had needs before and now the needs are even more unprecedented, even though they were unprecedented three years ago. Right. You know, what I was talking about is that we really need to look at social connection. We need to look at what parents are modeling for their kids. We need to look at the pressure that we're putting on our young people in our culture and how achievement oriented we are and how there's so much emphasis on doing everything and padding your resume and how kids were just so overwhelmed and parents were so overwhelmed. And then along comes a pandemic, which heightens loneliness and isolation, which gets in the way of developing positive and strong connections because kids can't go to school, where kids who were absolutely sure that they needed to do everything to achieve and get perfect grades suddenly aren't able to take the SATs, aren't able to go to school, aren't able to participate in activities. So all of the things that families thought were so important but I have been saying for a long time, these things are actually contributing to the mental health issues of our kids. All of those things during the pandemic suddenly became catastrophic, suddenly became in the forefront. There's a part of me, as I've been doing all these talks about managing during a pandemic and the anxiety during the pandemic, I start every single one of them by saying, this was a problem long before 2020. And we need to start 
thinking about the causal factors and we need to think preventatively instead of just talking about how to fix the problem once it shows up. And that's, you know, that's exactly what we learned with COVID. You can't fix it once it shows up. We've got to get ahead of it. So when you have been talking for a while about how you can vaccinate your children against anxiety, it's a it's, you know, an allegory for what is a preventative approach to supporting your children. So what does that look like? Well, and the one important difference that if we think about a vaccination, they're talking about the vaccinations for COVID and they're remarkably 95% effective. And the goal, of course, is to eradicate the virus. So we have to make a little shift when we're talking about anxiety and worry and feelings and emotions. The goal is not to eradicate feelings and we're never going to eradicate worry and anxiety. The goal is to be able to manage them when they show up, to normalize them. We need with our with our kids and their mental well-being and their emotional health, we need to not be so afraid of our kids feeling things and we need to get out of this elimination culture. So there's going to be no eradication, but it really is about how do we manage the normal ups and downs of life. This is the way I think about this. Good mental health is not the absence of pain or suffering. It's the ability to manage and connect and get through it in a way that allows you to move forward. Just like we we don't want to talk about success is the absence of failure. It's how do you manage the mistakes? How do you bounce back? How do you regroup? How do you recover? And I think that's what we need to be talking about. I know you participated in a seminar this week with a leading public health official at Brown University. But although some vaccines do eradicate a virus as its goal, like polio and measles, Mm -hmm. the science of the COVID vaccine is how do you reduce the pathological response of the infection in the body and reduce it? Right. And that's ultimately what you're talking about developing skills that reduce the impact of anxiety. I was on this panel with Dr. Ashish Jha, who was a delightful human being. And we had a really fun conversation. We'll put up the link because they've, they've made the conversation public. And one of the things that was so interesting is that I was there to talk about the anxiety of COVID and the mental health issues. He was there, of course, to talk about the vaccination and all that kind of stuff. But the, the two of us kept going back to common sense. I was talking about as we're making decisions with our kids and we're helping them to navigate through all of this, we want to talk about regret prevention. We want to talk about giving them the skills to make good decisions. We want to talk about helping them manage situations where things don't go the way we want them to go. And he kept nodding his head. And then he was talking about how do we manage a pandemic? And he was talking about making informed decisions and using common sense and teaching our kids how to step into things or not step into things based on what the data shows us. There was this real overlap. You know, I I wrote him a little note afterwards and I just said, it just felt so great to hear us talking the same language because this is, this is where when we're raising our kids and we're talking about emotional management, it comes down to the very same skills. One thing that I, that I said during that talk, One of the questions that was asked is, what happens when a teenager wants to do something and you have to tell them not to do something and all the other kids are doing it? And I said, what you will notice and what I've noticed in my practice is that parents that were good at setting boundaries 
and having tough conversations with their kids and being able to tolerate their children's disappointment are doing better with this than the families that didn't have those skills ahead of time. So we're seeing so many things play out in the context of this pandemic that really have so much to do with communication and connection and decision making and managing big emotions and tolerating disappointment. It's all coming together. You use the phrase a lot. It's about skill building. Yeah. These are skills that we want our kids to have. I strongly recommend that you listen and we'll post the link to this talk because I was hanging on his every word. He knows so much about how this works and the vaccine and what our future is going to look like. But I think that what we have to think about going forward is what are the skills that our kids need in order to manage what life throws at them? Because, oh my gosh, we've had a lot thrown at us for sure this last year. But as you said, I've been talking about this since 2017 because the numbers have not been good for years. For a decade, we've been seeing this trend. So what are the skills that we need to help our kids develop? How do we emotionally inoculate them or emotionally vaccinate them against disappointment, against heartbreak, against failure. You know, one of the things I've been hearing so much during the past few weeks and months really is kids saying, I don't feel motivated to do my work. Okay, I totally get it. So here's the skill that I've been talking to every day, I would say, with high school kids and with college kids. How do you get yourself to do something when you don't feel like it? Because you have a bigger goal. How do you take the uncomfortable steps along the way in order to achieve or to reach something that's so important to you? And we could talk about it in terms of academics, but just how about in terms of relationship? How about in terms of repairing a friendship that went sour? How about being able to step in and advocate for yourself when it doesn't feel comfortable? These are the things that we need to be talking about with our kids. You talk about the elimination culture and Mm -hmm. it's and it's being really aware of what are we avoiding emotionally? Yep. How do we step into those emotions that are uncomfortable? How do we practice those emotions that are uncomfortable and not try to avoid them? Because that's a lesson for both kids and adults. Yeah. You know, as adults are going through this, how do we allow kids to experience these tough emotions, experience the pain that comes with being a human being and know that they can get through it. And I think when we as parents panic that our children are feeling uncomfortable or our children are heartbroken or our children are feeling distress, I think we have to have ways to hold them and support them and teach them that there's another side to it. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, 
Outlook, you can add events directly using the touchscreen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded, so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up. So order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free apple. Option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. I talk a lot about people being anxious about being anxious and people being worried that they're going to feel worried. One of the things I'm hearing more and more is parents being really afraid. They're saying to me, I'm afraid my child is going to get depressed. And they say that in a way that is very passive to me, like it's going to happen. Like, I'm afraid that they're going to contract this disease. We need to change the paradigm about that. 
as parents, if we have somehow gotten the message that we're trying to protect our children, so we avoid those circumstances that could create those outcomes. Right. That's the elimination culture that you talk about. I want to prevent you from dating so that you don't have a broken heart. I want to prevent you from trying out for a musical so that you don't face the disappointment of not getting the lead. But it's parents tuning into, are you trying to protect your children from the wrong things? Right. You know, there's the avoidance is the extreme of, I'm not going to let you try out in case you don't get a part. But there's the other thing that I think is even more common is that I'm going to let you try out, but I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you do get a part. I'm going to step in and I'm going to make sure that you're as prepared. I'm going to take over the preparation. I'm going to take over the conversations. I'm going to pick the song for you that you should sing. And if you don't get a part, I'm going to call the musical director and say, why didn't you give my child a part? And all of that is also avoidance and elimination. Your child may participate in the activity, but you're not letting them navigate through the bumps of screwing up, of going into an audition unprepared. What we really have to pay attention to is that avoidance and elimination show up in all sorts of ways, not just in I'm not going to let you participate at all, but I'm going to let you participate. But what I'm going to help you avoid is disappointment, failure, feeling like you're not good enough. I'm not going to let you figure this out. And the key thing to remember is that this is not about just throwing them into the deep end and saying, okay, go ahead, learn how to swim. It's about teaching them and walking through those difficult feelings that come up when you experience and try new things in life. And how do we normalize that rather than pathologize it? In COVID, it is about elimination. Mm -hmm. It is about avoidance. Mm -hmm. But the opposite is true from our mental health. We can't avoid We can't eliminate. We have to dive in and normalize real feelings so that we have experiences how to be resilient and respond as they show up. Right. And that's the paradox of this thing is that in order to eliminate a virus, we needed to avoid social contact. In order to help inoculate or vaccinate our kids emotionally and mentally, we need to support connection. We need to support exposure. So it's almost the opposite because I treat obsessive compulsive disorder. I treat anxiety disorders. It's all about exposure therapy. How do we step into these situations? And it's tricky during this time because it's the opposite for a virus. How do we step out of those situations? We certainly don't want to do exposure therapy with COVID. We need to recognize what this year has shown us about what we need as connection. I talk so much about joy and playfulness and singing and laughing, and we're recording this on January 21st. And I think collectively, we all were holding our breath, our muscles were tensed, our breathing was shallow. And now at least we've gotten through one stage of this that we need to exhale and we need to let our kids step back out into the world as soon as possible. So it's almost like the vaccine for the virus is going to let us step back out into the world. And that's really what we have to allow our kids to do. So for parents who are listening to this, the phrase social maneuvering, like I'm Mm -hmm. a social maneuvering mom, is a mom who is being very focused and paying a lot of attention to playdates and who your kids' friends are and how they're socially doing. I've never heard that phrase before. A social maneuvering mom? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it on some parenting website. There are certain moms, because it's typically the mom. 
mean, mm-hmm. it's very rarely the dad. Dads comically approach their children's social lives in a really laissez-faire, actually. <laughs> yeah. Let me just say, except when it comes to sports. Oh, you're right. You want to see dad's dysfunctional behavior with their kids hang around sports. But anyway, go ahead. So the takeaway I would say is this, a parent is recognizing and hearing what you say and hearing that maybe there are certain situations and certain things where I am creating an avoidance for Mm -hmm. my child. I'm trying to maneuver them academically or I'm trying to maneuver them socially. Right. So you have that moment of saying, maybe I do that. Mm -hmm. What next? So what next is don't do it, haha, but truly You've got to step back. See, see, in order for you to allow your kids to emotionally manage their distress, you've got to emotionally manage your distress. And the psychobabble term for this is parental experiential avoidance. And what that means is that parents who have great difficulty managing their own distress or their children's distress step in and control and avoid and eliminate. So you've got to be able to tolerate how awful it feels for you when your child's heart gets broken. And it means that you have to have supports and you've got to have friends that you can call and cry to, or you've got to have a partner that you can say, oh my God, that was so awful watching him do that. I have all these memories in my parenting storage area that truly, like when I think about them right now, they can make me cry. And they are memories of when my children got emotionally hurt in some way. I have to be able to tolerate that. I have to be able to manage that. I have to be able to talk about that with adults, friends, people around me, so that then I can have those conversations with my kids. So as as always, it comes back to what are the skills that you need as a parent to tolerate all of the ups and downs and emotional minefields of parenting so that then you can talk to your kids about it with empathy and with support, but also realistically that you're going to be disappointed. Your heart is going to be broken. I remember I went on this first date That's a long, long story. But anyway, I walked in from the first date. It was a first date with a person. I think it was my first date ever. And it was so awkward and it was so uncomfortable. And I walked in the door and shut the door and burst into tears and just started crying. And my mom said, Linny, you don't have to marry him. (laughs) (laughs) But it was all, she was just very matter of fact about it, right? It's okay. It's okay, right? It's it's that, you know, I mean, it was just, I think I was just, it was just this emotional release. God, it was so awful. But anyway, but my mom just very matter-of-factly said, you know, and then she gave me a hug and we got through it, right? It wasn't a disaster. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was, I had to figure out what to do. You've talked about that other experience where you didn't make it on a basketball team in high school. And it was very specific that as an adult now doing what you do, you recognize the fact that your mom gave you a hug when you didn't make it on the team. She didn't call the school and complain. How many parents now feel like that's their role as a good parent? And I say good in air quotes. Yeah. As a step outside of their what should be their boundary and and get into that territory. Yeah, and I'm sure she I know she was mad. I know she was angry that the coach wasn't going to carry 12 players on the basketball team like she had the year before. That you know, the hard fact of it was is that there was another point guard that was better than me and my coach didn't want me on the team. That was the reality of it and we had to we had to deal with that, right? And my dad said, well, if you play on JV, you're not going to be sitting on the bench the whole time. You're going to be starting. I was like, you know what? That's a very good point. 
And then, you know, we had ice cream. So being a good parent doesn't mean stepping in and making sure that everything goes smoothly. And I think that's that's the hard part about being a parent is how do you allow your kids to find their way? Because this is about developing autonomy. If you don't want to be there for them every step of the way when they're 18 and 28 and 38, if you want them to be able to create their own lives and their own opinions and their own relationships, you've got to teach them how to do it when they're younger, not when they're 18 and 28 and 38. Well, you have been a psychotherapist for families focusing on anxiety for 30 years now. Mm -hmm. And what I always want to get inside your head and figure out is that there are clearly common patterns there are parents that you never see in your office. Right. You would they they just wouldn't need you. Right. And then there are commonalities of all the parents that need you. When you think about these preventative strategies and skills that you want your kids to build. What are those skills that the kids build and therefore they usually don't end up in your office seeking help for anxiety? You know when you're listening to a song on the radio and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you. Well, now imagine the power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique, it's personal, and it lasts forever. I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying, giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether you're song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com Fluster. Don't forget to share your song with us too in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash fluster. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. One of the big skills is, and I've talked about this before, emotional literacy, the ability to put words to your feelings, the ability to be able to identify and express what's going on inside of you. So little kids that are able to do that do better as they move forward. So that means parents have to be able to talk and put words and verbalize what's going on with them and help their kids do that as well. Certainly for parents, one of the big ones is the catastrophic language, which I talk about all the time is that if you are a parent that perceives the world as a more dangerous place, then your children are going to see that as well. And that means that they're going to develop a very cautious and avoidant way of moving through the world, for sure. We certainly want kids to develop flexibility rather than rigidity. And anxiety is all about rigidity, wants things to go a certain way. How do you manage when things don't go the way that you've expected? How do you make connections with people? So teaching kids social skills, which is something that really came to the fore when the great work with kids that were on the spectrum, when we started looking at that as the need to develop social skills, but that's bled out into all children need help with social skills. So those are the kinds of things that I really focus on. But I I would say probably the biggest one is Letting parents be okay with their children not being okay and knowing how to support them through it rather than trying to take it away. You mentioned catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that brings up the topic of the anxiety audit. Yes. Because a catastrophizing parent is one that is always going to have to manage their fear of the worst possible outcome. Right. Right. And when you go down that path and when you catastrophize and when you imagine that and when you express that, that has a huge impact on kids moving into the world. There are other patterns too we talk about in the audit. We talk about ruminating, which means chewing your mental cud. We talk about boundaries are always an important thing. Are you somebody who gets overwhelmed all the time? Do you have the ability to step into new things and break them down into parts? Or do you get really globally overwhelmed? So there are several patterns that we talk about in the audit that are really the key, the key foundations to being able to show your kids how to move through the world emotionally and socially. Well, that's why the podcast, the first course that we did was actually for parents and not for kids because a parent has to really take ownership of the ways that they're modeling anxiety for their Mm -hmm. families. And so the anxiety audit goes through all of these most common habits of worry that you explain, and then you provide the way to pivot from that habit. But you're going to be leading people through an anxiety audit live as a small workshop on Saturday, January 23rd. It's interesting to hear this whole conversation about preventative mental health is there is the role that the parent has to take responsibility for their own patterns of what they model and what they feel. Mm -hmm. There is the step of then parents having to take ownership of how they parent. Yep. And what they're allowing their children to do from an early age that continues to build as they get older. Yep. 
Absolutely. And the important part of parents having the supports that they need as adults to be able to manage all of the powerful emotions that come with parenting. That's a key part of it. Being able to get support as an adult, as a parent, so that you can take on this huge, wonderful, but incredibly emotional task of raising children. It's not, it's not easy. Why is it that parenting just like gets us right in the most vulnerable place possible? It does. Because it's the most important, you know, I guess if we look at it evolutionarily, the thing that we want to pay the most attention to is making sure that our kids are okay, right? It's a very basic, basic desire, a basic need. But then as we get more sophisticated, and as, as many people have pointed out, our primitive amygdala has not caught up with our very sophisticated prefrontal cortex. There's a bit of a misbalance there. The world has moved faster than our, our primitive instincts. And so it's, it's daunting for sure. So as we talk about preventative support for our children, in terms of protecting them from anxiety becoming a generalized disorder in them. It's one thing if parents hear this and say, oh, well, we don't really have any anxiety issues. But a lot of parents are going to be listening to this and saying, we already do have some anxiety issues. So how does the preventative strategy work when anxiety has very much already shown up? What is realistic to do from here? Prevention and treatment, when it comes to anxiety and depression, prevention and treatment are like the Olsen twins of mental health, that you think that the Olsen twins are identical twins, Mary, Kate, and Ashley. I'm dating myself now, but you guys, you know, you know who I'm talking about. Elizabeth Olsen's big sisters. <laughs> Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen look like identical twins. They're actually fraternal twins. It's just that you don't know that until you get close up and until they got much older. Prevention and treatment are the Olsen twins of mental health. They are so similar. So everything that I talk about for treatment applies to prevention. And everything that I talk about for prevention applies to treatment. If you're a parent and you're thinking, okay, so anxiety has already grabbed hold. Now what do I do? You still focus on teaching the very same skills. You still focus on on what you're modeling and how you can begin to talk to your child about this pattern of avoidance and how we're going to we're going to make some changes. And I'm a huge huge fan of just talking so directly to your kids about how as a family you're going to interrupt these patterns. So prevention if we can get ahead of it, great, but if it's already there, same skills apply. That's why we actually say in the show this is for families who already are dealing with anxiety issues or who want to prevent them. That's right. I really like that. I love the fact that I'm teaching things that are preventative and based in treatment, that that I really don't have to come up with a whole different plan, that I can take all the things that I know from treating anxious families and we can use them to get ahead of this thing. Yeah. Another thing is if you're a parent who's working on the prevention side and not on the treatment side of strategies, it's so worth it because what you're doing is you're basically teaching your children really important, necessary skills for them to emotionally thrive in their lives, problem solving and skill building and flexibility and a sense of self that's healthy, healthy boundaries, talking about feelings. Like it's all, it's all the stuff we're all working on all the time. All the time. And we're all works in progress. And so if you're an adult listening to this and thinking like, oh my God, I've been doing this for all these years. I'm never going to change. Not true, not true, not true. We're always working on ourselves. We all have the patterns that we fall into. We all have the habits that can sort of get us stuck. It's okay. You're just constantly doing a little reset, reset, reset. And join us on Saturday for a live reset so you can ask Lynn your questions. Love to have you. We'd love to have you join us tomorrow for our anxiety audit. 
Registration closes tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. Register now at flusterclucks.com. There's also a link in the show notes. So, Lynn, I stayed up until 1.30 last night laughing so hard, looking at all the Bernie memes from the inauguration. What were your favorites? There's one where he's sitting in that impressionist painting on the beach, which it's a little hard to find him at first. So then when you discover him, you just laugh out loud. I think that might have been. And then there was one where he's sitting on the bench next to Forrest Gump at the bus stop. <laughs> have you seen that one? That, one was, <laughs> that was really funny. I don't know. I don't know why they've taken off my storm, but there are so many of them and I can't keep up with them. I want I someone to grab all of them. My, <laughs> the, I just like him sitting in the backseat of the Mandalorian spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. They're genius. If you live in New Hampshire or Vermont like I do, that's like, of course he's wearing those mittens. We were like, yeah, duh. <laughs> I just, at the beginning of January, I just never thought that we would say the phrase like, what's your favorite Bernie Sanders? I know. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Not the things we were all holding our breath for. <laughs> no, no. Oh, all right. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.